All right, fam, I hope you saw the announcement, but we launched the 2023 For the Girl tour dates. We are going to six different cities across the country, and I'm so excited because that means that we finally get to hang out with all of you in person. (laughs) Yes, we are so excited. For real, for real, though, we like actually will get to hug you, meet you, talk to you. And you guys know that's like one of our favorite things because we're always just behind the scenes here on the podcast and forgetting anybody's out there and listening. So we get to hang out with you. It's going to be the best ever. But even more importantly, you are going to encounter Jesus. If there's any of you listening right now that have just felt a little bit dry in your faith or you've been putting it on the back burner and you're like, gosh, I need to get back to it. Like I need to be in an atmosphere of worship to be revived and excited about it again. Well, I just really sincerely want to invite you to tour because this night will change everything. I promise you'll leave feeling refreshed, refueled, and so excited about how Jesus is moving in your life. So gosh, I can't wait for that moment. Yes, we have two ticket options for you. The first is just general admission. Tickets are about $15. So you have no excuse not to be there, ladies. The second is our VIP option. We have limited spots at each stop, but essentially you're guaranteed to meet us, get some pictures with us. We're going to save you some front row seats, baby. And then also you're just going to have an opportunity to get to the merch first and also have an incredible VIP bag that is full of goodies from some of our favorite brands and companies that we're really excited to introduce you guys to. All of the tickets are available at ForTheGirlTour.com. That is ForTheGirlTour.com. You can check out where we're going, learn more about the event, and grab your tickets. We cannot wait to just hang out with you guys in February. It is going to be such an incredible experience, and we will see you on tour. Woo! Hey guys, it's Mac, and you're listening to the In My Feels podcast series. We are so excited you're here. If you're looking to get even more out of this series, be sure to grab the In My Feels Bible study book available at both forthegirl.com and lifeway.com slash inmyfeels. This study is what this podcast series is all about. In this study, you'll be able to dig into scripture to understand the heart of God in each and every one of these eight core feelings and even begin to implement these things into your everyday spiritual journeys. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss this Bible study. So grab a copy and let's get into the episode. Hey girl, you're listening to the For The Girl podcast, the podcast designed for you. Join Mac and Ken's as they cover all the hard topics for real life girls trying to love Jesus. Get ready for encouragement, truth, and let's be real, a little bit of a hot mess. Is it just me or are Mac and Ken's your new best friends? Let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the For the Girl podcast. I am so glad that you are here. You made it actually to our very last episode, our very last session of our In My Feels study, and it is all about joy. We are ending on a great note, which I am pumped about. I wonder how many people have fallen off. (laughs) So if you made it to week eight, we're proud of you. You are the chosen ones. 
I'm not going to lie. There's been plenty of Bible studies that I've done that I made it through six or so weeks and then I crumble there at the end. So we're so <laughs> proud of you guys for being here yes. at week eight. Not this study though. They're all in. They're sad. That's right. Over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For You're sure. clinging on to every last word of this <laughs> final episode. We're going to make it a good one for you guys. But we're starting off with our final group session. Also, sad for all the groups that this is their final session. I hope you keep meeting and hanging and loving on each other and building community together because that is so important. But we're going to end with this question, and that is, what has been the most joyful day of your entire life? <laughs> Which is like a wow. very difficult That's question. That's a tough question. Why do we put this it's one in there? a tough question. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We were both saying beforehand that yeah. we didn't want to do the cliche answers of like our wedding day or I don't know. I know. If we had kids, our kids, but we don't have children. If we had but kids, it would be the day that I birthed my child. The day that you birthed Yeah, child. even though it was so painful and so hard. It was pure joy. Honestly, birthing a child is a perfect example for this entire episode. And I really wish that one of us could have brought that experience to the table. But yeah, too yeah. bad. Well, I was going to say, I think my day that I was going to say I felt the most pure joy was the day that I met my husband in person for the first time, which sounds so funny and cheesy. But you have to know that I was single for a very long time. And honestly, there were moments where I was like, God, is this just not going to happen? And was pretty like discouraged in it all. And then what do you know? He came out of the blue, out of nowhere. And we had kind of connected virtually. So like <laughs> over FaceTime and it's a long story. But launches we... into the entire story. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the whole story. But we decided to meet in person and it was a snowstorm and it was, it was that was cute just it was valentine's day yeah Aww. yeah and it was just this moment where literally like my cheeks hurt so bad from smiling so much because i just sat across the table from him and i just i knew i think i just knew it was crazy and i know it doesn't happen like that for everybody but it was really just the most joy-filled moment ever and was pretty cool. And I felt so close to God in the midst of it because I was like, God, you didn't abandon me. You were here and you knew this. That, so, was, that was a really cool it moment. It was all joyful until you saw me the next day. And I was like, okay, why are you so yeah. excited about this? You just was kind of a doubter at first, yeah. but she came around. <laughs> it all happened so fast, guys. I was like, what's happening? Max and love. <laughs> it, was, no, it was great. We love that. But I don't know about my joy. I mean, it was great meeting Josh for the first time, but I literally <laughs> was trying to think of the day and, you know, maybe not as memorable at all. It happened a bit yeah. more slowly, but I don't know. Any kind of joy for me it definitely happens with people I love the most. And I, I mean, any anytime I'm with my favorite people. So that includes you, Mac. Yeah. And then also- I was going to say- yeah. The joy for you feels like your family has a lake house. And I feel like you feel a certain type of joy at your family lake house when your whole family's there and you're just doing the things you love. Yeah. Close to childhood memories. I think that is a new level of joy for you. Yeah. Rolling up, pulling into the driveway of the lake house for a long weekend with the fam. That's a good one. 
Yeah. That is so good. Joy is the best. I love it. It is. And so, yes, if you didn't already catch it today, we're talking (laughs) about joy. And you're probably so happy because it appears that maybe it's our first positive emotion. You know, the other seven emotions can seem negative. They were sadness and guilt and shame and fear. As we learned, they all have very positive invitations. But joy is such an important feeling and emotion that we want to dive into because even though it has a positive spin, it definitely has a sour side, but there's also an incredibly beautiful invitation in joy from Jesus. And so I don't know. I just want you to think, what do you think about when you think about joy? Maybe for you, it's driving down the driveway of your childhood home, or maybe it's laughing super hard with your friends. Maybe it's sunshines and sunsets and puppies or the most fun day with someone you love. Maybe for you, it's joy you found in a moment of worship or connecting with God or just being so free, jumping around and just being filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And joy is in these moments, but I think there's also something even deeper in the midst of joy. I don't know if you've ever thought about the difference between happiness and joy, the word happenstance which is a circumstance due to chance. And so this means that happiness often finds us. Happiness are those moments when everything just seems to go right and all is well in the world. And because we live in the real world, we know that happiness is often fleeting (laughs) because things can go super well one day and then the next moment fall apart. We know that life goes on after those credits roll and that happy song plays and things often start to get difficult again. Maybe your finances get tight or you don't get the job you wanted, the trip you were going on gets canceled, that person who you love so much stops loving you back and your happiness can just be gone at the snap of a finger because it was due to chance. Happiness is like that emotional roller coaster because it's attached to our circumstances and our circumstances are always changing. And that means that we often just kind of stumble our way in and out of happiness every single day. But joy, joy is something different because joy is something that we can actually actively choose to live into in every single circumstance. Joy is actually not based upon circumstances at all because true joy is found when we live with our heart open, open and responsive to its desires. And it's the willingness to step into the invitation that Jesus offers us in every emotion. It's when we stop suppressing, it's when we stop running away or hiding or covering up, thus allowing our feelings to turn sour. And instead, joy is when we allow everything to lead us back to the throne of Jesus time and time and time again, where we can receive all that he has promised. And I love this because it kind of sums up. Yeah. It kind of sums up the other seven weeks. And so I want you to just reflect on this, all the things that we've talked about. So joy is actually a result of our willingness to embrace the other seven feelings in their entirety. So hear this. This is just so cool. We find joy when we're willing to admit our hurt, remember hurt from week one, and find healing and wholeness again. So when we admit our hurt, 
we can move towards healing with Jesus. And the same is true for joy when we find joy, when we allow our loneliness to lead us into deeper intimacy with God and the people around us, living into that invitation of intimacy. We find joy when we feel sad because it means we recognize and embrace how much what we lost had value and mattered in our lives. We can find joy when our anger actually compels us to action paired with passion for the things that truly matter to us. We find joy when our fear gives us an opportunity to experience the depth of what true faith is. We find joy when our shame leads us to humility or the recognition of our limitations, thus giving us a deeper dependence on God. And we find joy when our guilt draws us to confession and reconciliation, where we receive the forgiveness and freedom that only Jesus can truly offer. And the truth is we've been taught to manage our feelings altogether differently. That's what we've talked about these last seven weeks. So this kind of deep joy, this joy that's not built on circumstances, but is built in every feeling, letting it allow us to go back to Jesus is often really elusive for us, meaning it's hard for us to grab a hold of because instead we're kind of used to settling for the cheaper versions of it, for these like temporary highs of moments of fleeting happiness. And and we're going to talk about that in a second, which is our sour side. But oh my goodness, Joy, I just want to stay on this for a second. For you, Ken, what does Joy look like in your life? And I don't know, when you live into these things, what does that actually look like? Yes, I feel like I definitely find myself having my joy turn sour, but I also see myself growing and living into to the fullness of joy. And for me, I, I feel like I talked about this in an earlier episode, but I'm an Enneagram 7 and I do kind of talk about it a lot because I feel like it really resonates with me. If you're an Enneagram 7, you know you cling on to any kind of happy moment. You hate feeling the sad parts and the hard parts of life. But what we're talking about here is, of course, true joy is found when you embrace those sad, hard, all the emotions. And so, yeah, there's been times for me where I feel like I'm going through something tough and like you said, and to find joy and happiness, I just cling on to something happy. I'm like, okay, what's happy around here? And how am I, how am I going to find that? And I just let that temporarily fulfill me. And I've learned that it's just temporary and I'm trying to live into that full joy where I'm like, okay, actually I can find joy even when things are hard because Jesus is right in the midst of it. Today's podcast sponsor is mylifeinabook.com, and this one is a really special one for me. This holiday season, I've been trying to figure out what to get my parents, and I don't know about you guys, but we don't often get to offer a truly unique, meaningful, and life-changing gift to our loved ones. Most of us get our parents or our grandparents something like a scarf or an air fryer, and while those are great, they don't truly build a legacy for our loved ones. But with my life in book.com, you give any close family member of your choice the opportunity to write their own life story for future generations. You get to learn everything about them, their childhood challenges, the craziest things that they ever did as a young adult, and so much more. MyLifeInABook.com makes the whole process super easy. Your loved ones will get a question of your choice every week sent to their email, which you can select from a suggested list or just write your own questions, and all they have to do is answer it and provide a meaningful picture. 
At the end of one year, they're all gathered in a beautiful keepsake book, and you can order as many additional copies as you want to give to all of your family members. I've tried it with my dad, and he totally loves it, and his questions and his answers are all so cute. I'm so excited to get my book at the end of next year. And think about it. What better way to show your loved ones how much their life means to you, and what better way to preserve their memories and life lessons for the future? To save $10 off your first purchase this holiday season, you can use our discount code FTGFAM, FTGFAM, to get $10 off on mylifeinabook.com. All right, for the girl fam, it wasn't that long ago that I was a single lady out there looking for love, and I remember the feeling of just wondering, are there any awesome Christian guys out there? Because I would look around and feel like there wasn't. And honestly, I wish that I would have known about Upward. Upward is an amazing Christian dating app that Ken and I are super excited to tell you more about. Yes, I know you ladies are looking for a male, a man that is equally yoked and pursuing Jesus with all his heart. And I'm pretty confident there's a good amount of them at Upward. So you got to go check it out yourself. Download the app. Start scrolling. I mean, we got we got all, all the boys, all the types, all the looks. But one thing in common, and that is the heart of God, you guys. So this makes me really excited. I'm glad we have a resource that actually will point you to the good men out there in the world. (laughs) Oh, because we remember how hard it is, guys. And so we really encourage you guys, check out Upward, download it, create a profile, and just give it a chance to see if maybe there is an awesome Christian guy in your community that you wouldn't know about if it wasn't for the gift of technology. And so we're going to leave the link in the show notes so that you can download the app, start creating your profile. And guys, let us in on your dating lives. Like, <laughs> Send us messages. If you're going on dates, if you're talking to somebody you're excited about, we want to know. We are in this with you guys. We love you so much for the girl fam. And be sure to download Upward. And yeah. it's actually a really beautiful thing. So it's definitely stretched me and been hard for me. But I love the conversation because I love because I love joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so true because the sour side, which is cheap pleasure, is just all around us in our world. And it's so easy to grab a hold up and have for a moment and cling to it and kind of just jump from one high to the next. And so I kind of want to describe for you what cheap pleasure is because it might sound confusing, but I think it's something we all are pretty familiar with. So I'll start off by saying for Tyler and I, my husband, cheap pleasure for us is a Papa John's pizza. Oh (laughs) my goodness. We like have days where we're just looking at each other and we're like, it's Papa John's time and I'm getting extra garlic sauce. And it's just those things where in the moment it brings the best satisfaction. I feel so happy, but immediately as soon as we're done, I feel awful. I feel so sick. My stomach hurts. I'm all the things. It's just not 
good. It's not good. But in the moment when that Saturday night rolls around, I'm tempted to get the Papa John's pizza again. Mm-hmm. And maybe for you, maybe it's that all day Saturday marathon of binging five seasons of some show. And it just feels so relaxing for the first couple of hours because you've been overworked. But then it just kind of leaves you in that foggy haze and in a bad mood. Maybe for you, it's the late night with your boyfriend when it feels so good to finally just cross that line and and say, so what? Does it really even matter? Maybe for you, it's the attention that you get from that one guy who who texts you and he thinks you're incredible and he thinks you're beautiful. And so you finally give in and, and give him what he wants. And then you know that you're only going to feel lonelier as soon as he leaves. Or maybe it's that week-long vacation that you've been dreaming about and pinning and and planning the itinerary or that shopping spree that feels so fun and good in the moment. But in two weeks, you seriously hate everything in your closet again. And the truth about cheap pleasure is that it feels so good in the moment, but it's just a temporary escape from the reality of what you're really feeling and what you're really trying to cover up. And at the moment of its peak enjoyment, it seems harmless and it seems fun and even at times good for you. And I think that's why culture is constantly telling us things like live your truth or, or do what makes you happy. And, and for a while, culture is right because those things, they do bring pleasure and they do bring entertainment and happiness. But the problem is they always fade away. And the more that we use them to just numb out our feelings, the more broken and messed up our heart is when that high finally fades. And so cheap pleasure can just be so dangerous. And I think it's so perfectly described in the story of the prodigal son. You probably know this story well, but in Luke 15, Jesus tells this parable about a dad who gives his two sons their share of his fortune. And one of the brothers decides to stay put and helps the dad out while the younger brother, he runs off and he's a wild child and he starts getting into all sorts of trouble and I don't know what different translations of the Bible say, but my Bible tells me that the younger son squandered his estate in foolish living. And so I had to look up what the word squandered means. But Google told me that it meant to waste something in a reckless and foolish manner. And I know that you might be thinking, I don't relate to this guy. I would never do such a thing. But let's think about this for a second. You know, I doubt many of us are out there spending our parents' money by the boatloads, but... What about the gifts and the blessings that your father in heaven has given you and has lavished over you? Have you been utilizing those for his glory or have you been utilizing those for your own entertainment? I mean, have you been squandering your relationships? Have you been squandering your time, your body, your influence, your money? Have you been squandering your heart? And I think it's so true that we often like to think that the prodigal son story is just about non-Christian people who have drifted far from God. But I wonder if it's actually more of our own stories than we think, because so many of us are wasting the things that God has given us by only feeding our heart junk and quick fixes. And anytime we offer our heart a quick fix, we're essentially stopping and limping our dependence upon God for our ultimate fulfillment. And not only that, but we actually start believing that we're not even worthy of the true fulfillment that only God can offer. In verse 15, actually, after squandering his inheritance, the younger son, he has to get a real job working on a pig farm. And pretty soon he finds himself fantasizing about the pig's food and how good it would taste just to be able to have a bite. And this, again, sounds so crazy and absurd, but this is 
the narrative that cheap pleasure often tries to sell us. It convinces us that just a little bit of something is so good and we start dreaming about it and we start fantasizing it about it. And it just lies to us over and over again. And so eventually the son, he comes to his senses and he realizes he needs to go back to his father and ask if he can at least become a servant in his house. And as, as he's on that road home and he's walking up to his father's house, this man runs out, starts running in his direction. He figures out that it's his dad. And before he knows it, his father's arms are wrapped tightly around him and he kisses him on the cheek and, and the son starts to plead his case. But before he can even finish the father is already ushering the servants to bring the best robe, a ring for his finger, and sandals for his feet. And the father actually wants to throw a party in his honor. And I love this because so many of us were like the prodigal son, and, and we're just running from one cheap high to the other. And we're so numb to our feelings that we're almost dead inside because we've gotten so used to cheap pleasure. But the good news is, that no matter how much we sell our soul to cheap pleasure, we have a father who the moment we turn around, the moment we turn around, we repent and we come back to him. He throws a party in our honor and he celebrates that although we were dead, we can instantly be made live again with him. And he actually invites us into his house where he shows us the riches and the pleasures that only full life with him can offer us. And that is joy. That's joy. Joy of not cheap pleasure, of things that are temporary and fleeting, but the everlasting joy that we find in the safety of our Father's house. And so, Kent, we're ready for that invitation in joy. How do we lean into that? What does it look like to step into that invitation from Jesus? Yes, it's such a powerful one and the perfect way to wrap up our In the Feels study, because like we said before, it really does encompass all of these feelings, the good and the bad days and everything in between. And like we have shared every week, Jesus has modeled this invitation so perfectly for us. And I want to look at this final moment that Jesus lived on earth when the most lovable, kind-eyed, spirit-filled man died for you and I and then returned a couple days later. I don't know about you, but when I was reading this story, I was reminded that I just often latch on to the second half of the story, that he rose again and he returned to the earth and he is with us now in spirit and all is well in the world. The Enneagram 7 in me is like, oh yeah, this is this is great. Love a happy ending. But I think I've almost just jumped to it so quickly and I've brushed past the heaviness of his death. And maybe it's not just me. Maybe you have brushed past it too because it simply feels too heavy. I don't know if you've ever watched The Passion of is it Passion of Christ or the Passion of the Cross? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Passion of Christ. Passion of Christ. And fast forward through the tough stuff when he's bloody and beaten and you just don't want to see it. It's just too hard to feel. And I've been there before, but maybe for some of you, this has been unintentional even. Maybe you've brushed past the death of Jesus. You've unintentionally missed it all. And it just all happened so fast. It literally in scripture is only a couple paragraphs where it goes from death to life. And it, even if you grew up in church, you were probably told the crucifixion and the resurrection story 
all in one sitting to make sure you just don't go home sobbing to your parents. And it just simply makes me wonder that a lot of us might have grown really numb or maybe have never truly felt what Jesus felt. Like maybe you've lost the sting of his death or maybe you've forgotten the cost. I wonder Mm. if the sadness and anger and fear and shame of this moment was just all resolved too quickly for you. You see, true joy, it's found when we realize this, when we embrace these feelings, when we recognize what Jesus really endured for us and the pain that he really felt. When we do this, we'll understand what the cross really invited us into, which you've probably heard before, but that's the fullness of life. And the fullness of life is a beautiful thing. You have this invitation, and that's the invitation that we're talking about today. You see, full life, it's found in the blood and the sweat and the tears of your Savior. He exemplified this so perfectly for us. Jesus, in his humanity, He really did feel angry. He felt hurt. He felt lonely and sad and scared. He felt all of these things that you and I feel today. And when he was beaten and bruised on the cross, he was still full of joy. He gladly, joyfully took on the sins of the world for you and I. He joyfully endured that cross for you. He joyfully held the pain of this world so that you could live in full life. That is what joy is. It's the willingness to to feel the pain of this world in order to live so close to Jesus. So I don't know about you, but when I was diving into this week's study And even as we were preparing to write this week, I remember Mac was like, okay, you got the last day of this thing. You got to really bring it home. It's got to be good. And I was like, okay, okay. (laughs) I was feeling the pressure of this. And I just went back to this final moment of Jesus dying for our sins. And I was like, wow, I think I missed it. I think I need to revisit this. I think this Enneagram 7 in me or just humanity in me has jumped to the the happy ending and I missed what he really did for us and what he really offered us. Because when you understand that, you're going to be able to live into it even better. So Maybe like yeah, me, you need to yeah. go back and, and pause and reread this and understand this deep, yeah, abundant, yeah. unmovable joy that he offers us. Yeah, and I think this is so powerful because I think all of the feelings, when you feel them, there's something that Jesus is offering you in the midst of it. And this is the feeling when we feel joy, we're like, oh, this is so good. I feel happy and good. And like, you want to hold on to it. And and maybe for you, you haven't been able to figure out how to hold on to joy. It's just been that happiness. It's been fleeting moments. And maybe for you, you want to figure out what does it look like to have full life, to live into joy in every moment. And I think that the gospel story shows us that true joy is not based on circumstance. It's not based on rainbows and butterflies and things going right, that you can actually find the most powerful moments of joy when you're facing suffering, when you're facing those valleys, the hardest moments of your life, that joy can still be felt there. And the title of this book or the subtitle is How to Feel God When I'm Not Feeling It. And this is how we do it. We cling to the good news of Jesus. We cling to the hope 
we have in Jesus despite our circumstances. And we realize that every feeling that we feel on that spectrum, as we're walking through those valleys, as we are walking through hard moments, even when we don't feel it, in each and every one of those feelings, there is an invitation for us to experience more of Jesus and to get back to his feet. And we just hope that these last eight weeks really had just given you tools to not just feel better, but tools to experience and encounter Jesus, because that's what this is all about. We just believe that that Jesus is the medicine that your soul and your heart needs. And so would you open up your heart to him and would you let his good news just flow from it and flow out of your life? We have one more session from Donna Durham, our feelings expert. She's going to give us just some practical ways to truly live into this kind of joy and end it with a bang. So let's hear it from Donna. Hey guys, Donna here today to finish up this podcast with joy. Shame and vulnerability researcher Brene Brown says that joy is the most vulnerable feeling we have. Isn't that interesting? In her research, she has found that when people have really good things happen to them and they start to experience joy, they almost automatically start thinking something bad could happen. People think that by reducing their joy, they can somehow prevent disappointment in the future. You know what she's talking about. A guy you want to get to know asks you out, but you say, I'm not going to get my hopes up in case it doesn't work out. Or you get a second job interview for a position you really want, and you say, I'm not going to let myself be excited until I get a job offer. Or you don't celebrate an accomplishment because there is more work to do. Based on her research, Brene defines joy as an intense feeling of deep spiritual connection, pleasure, and appreciation. She finds that it is connected to gratitude. So in each situation that happens that is good, we can practice gratitude and increase our joy. We have heard the saying, celebrate the small stuff, and that is what I am encouraging you to do. When you pull through a drive through and someone has paid for your order, let yourself experience gratitude and joy. When that boy asks you out, be excited. When you get that second job interview, celebrate. You are one step closer to your dream job. You don't have to pretend like you're not excited and that you're not looking forward to good things in the future. As I end my portion of the In My Feels podcast, I want to recommend some resources in case you would like to further explore the world of feelings. One resource is Chip Dodd's book, Voice of the Heart. Another is Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, and of course, the In My Feels study. This will give you a deeper theological understanding of your feelings and guide you straight to the feet of Jesus. There's no better place than right there. And if you have been thinking about seeing a therapist, here are some tips on finding one. First, if you know someone who's seeing a therapist, ask them what they like about them and consider asking them for their contact information. Set up a first session with a therapist to see if it's a good fit. This is really important. Really trust your gut. Do you feel like this is a person you can tell your authentic story to? If it is, great. If not, keep looking for someone until you find a good fit for you. 
Next, look at credentials. I would suggest finding a licensed professional. This means the therapist has completed a master's degree, has completed hundreds of hours of practice counseling sessions, and has passed a national exam. Do a Google search to learn about the different types of therapists. There's LMFT, like what I have, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, but there's also LPC, Licensed Practical Counselor, and LMSW, Licensed with a Master's in Social Work. Consider your specific needs. Do you want someone of the same gender, someone that is older than you, or someone that's closer to your age, someone that shares your faith, someone of your same ethnicity? Whatever you feel you need in a therapist, try to find it. Those are just a few thoughts on finding a good fit for you. You guys, thank you so much for listening to the In My Feels series. This was so much fun. We hope you loved it. For more For The Girl podcasts, head to Apple or Spotify and subscribe to the podcast there. We have so many more episodes and a lot more to listen to. And then also for more studies and to study the Word of God together, head to Lifeway.com because they have incredible studies or, of course, ForTheGirl.com because we got some good ones too. This has been a blast. Welcome to the For The Girl community and we can't wait to stay in touch.